0: Okay, that was a terrible loss uh, and a terrible decision by the head coach. Um, I don't usually agree with the angry, irrational Twitter crowd, but last night was definitely one of the nights where I did. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it.
1: Anthony for-
0: Welcome to the show. You know where to find me. All that stuff. We are getting right into it. The Knicks, they lose one twenty nine, one twenty last night in OKC. This episode, we're going to focus in on one specific talking point. Um, one second here. Let me just set everything up. Get my notes up. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus in on that on that decision late in the game. And we'll get to it in a second. But the Knicks lose 129-120 in OKC last night. First quarter, right off the gate, you saw the poor defense being played. Uh, The Knicks were struggling, containing OKC and dribble penetration. Led to a lot of open kickouts for three. Um, Too many turnovers on the other end. The only positive was that the Knicks were generating a ton of contact and getting to the free throw line early. Um, But it was 38-25 Thunder after one. Second quarter, the Nick bench made an early push with SGA off the floor. They were able to go on this 16-4 run, pull within five. RJ, quickly a couple baskets. Josh Hart's pushing the tempo the entire second quarter. The starters check back in midway through, and then you start getting more turnovers, poor transition defense. OKC, 9-0 run. DiVincenzo gets hot late in the period, and it's 69-60. OKC at halftime third quarter comes um, Brunson and Randall are getting to their spots early getting to the line knocking down some jumpers Josh Hart ties the game on a fast break but then a few moments later he makes a very bad turnover in transition the Knicks are down five again Uh, the Knicks had issues in the third quarter still defending dribble penetration it's 93-89 though OKC after three Fourth quarter comes. Uh, Josh Hart, a couple of bad possessions on both ends to start. Quickly gets the Knicks back into the game. Uh, big time playmaking midway through the period. Knocking down shots, making good passes to i Hart. Brunson cuts the deficit to five. And then you get to the final four or five minutes. It's back and forth. And then Tom Thibodeau makes the stupidest decision known to man. And it all really fell apart from there, Um, not ironically. And so the Knicks lose 129-120 to the Thunder last night in OKC. Uh, The Knicks shot 50-41-80% to OKC's 54-44-77%. The Knicks had 24 assists to 18 turnovers. Not good when you consider OKC 20 assists to four turnovers. They're a team who not only protects the ball, but they force a lot of turnovers too. The Knicks had 40 rebounds. OKC just 27. Figured that would have helped. Randall was the Knicks' leading scorer with 25 points. SGA and Jalen Williams both dropped 36. So, all that said, I want to start with, yes, the elephant in the room. Tom Thibodeau making that egregious decision to, I mean, pull Emmanuel quickly. He pulled Emmanuel quickly. Why, why, why are we like, why are we lagging so badly? I don't understand what's going on here. I've, I've recorded this podcast. Like this is the third or fourth time me attempting to make this recording something with my tablet today. It's just acting up. Um, We're going to have to figure this out. We might have to just switch to audio only, but we'll see. Um, Tom Thibodeau pulls Emmanuel quickly with four minutes left in the game and the Knicks down seven points. The explanation in the postgame was, as you'd expect, it was was the usual, all right? We needed length. OKC is long. You need switchability. And, yeah, OKC went big at the end. Their smallest player was 6'5 in the final minutes there. Specifically, Tibbs probably saw the possession where Quickly was bullied by Jalen Williams to the basket, and Williams eventually shot over him. And I want to preface this by saying this is all a recurring issue because Emmanuel Quickly is too good for his role, right? He He's a six-man with starter upside, but he plays behind a guy who is their best player, who is the Knicks savior, right? The Knicks savior is a six-foot guard on a good day who is so important to them that he has to play 35, 40 minutes a night. That same important guard also happens to be the biggest weakness defensively out of all the guards in the rotation. And it's to a point where You have to hide him on certain players, which alters every other matchup on the floor. Everything in Tibbs' rotation is based off that. Now, if the Knicks had a true wing who could knock down, catch, and shoot, take you off the dribble, had a decent bag, and was this guy who developed in year five, then last night's decision is not a problem. But they don't have that. And what they have instead is this weird... Clunky roster, full of guards who have certain needs and capabilities. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo had himself a hell of a game last night. 17 points, shot very efficiently, only got 21 minutes. That explains everything you need to know about the roster construction. And you're probably not winning this game quickly, on the floor, off the floor, whatever. But, to not be able to ride with the clearly better alternative... So that you could at least have a better shot and see what happens, that is fucking painful. That is that that gave me secondhand embarrassment as a Tom Thibodeau supporter. I decided not to go onto Twitter after last night because I know what the vibe would have been. So if you didn't watch the game, what Tibbs did was he pulled Emmanuel quickly, who was the best Nick on the night. And he didn't even pull him for Dante DiVincenzo, who was the second best Nick on the night. Instead, he pulls him for RJ Barrett, who was the worst player on the floor last night, both sides. And worse yet, Josh Hart was already on the floor. And we know how great Quickly and Hart play together, just as we know how poorly the Knicks play in those Hart-RJ minutes with the spacing, the shooting, the defensive positioning, all those concerns. And I understand not wanting to go to a three guard lineup there. Right? You don't want three guards out there against that length. And you know, and the five players out there, three of them, you know, Brunson, Dante, Randall, not great defensively. But you just cannot go to RJ Barrett there, who was not playing great defense on the night as it was. And he was also missing every single three pointer known to man. RJ, before the garbage time three that he knocked down, was 0 for 6. Okay? A famous Tom Thibodeau quote all year has been, you know, the game's going to tell you what to do. How often do we hear that? The game will tell you what to do. Hey, Tom. And the game's also going to bite you right in the ass for going against it, right? It's kind of like, ball, don't lie. That's exactly what happened. Because the very second that Tibbs pulled quickly for RJ in the final four minutes there, the very second... RJ turns it over. RJ misses a three. RJ gives up a few easy baskets, playing stupid defense. OKC goes on this 8 2 run. And that turns the final two minutes into meaningless garbage time minutes. So terrible coaching decision last night in a game where Tom Thibodeau was thoroughly outcoached. Um I, I yeah, I there's there's not much you can do. To to excuse that there's nothing you can do to excuse that. I don't care about their switchability. I'd rather give up the pull up two than the open three. I don't I don't see how this ends well for quickly in the Knicks. Like I, I don't. Quick's a good kid, man. But my God, how much patience could one guy have? Like the Knicks have shown us all of the signs dating back to the off season, extending Josh Hart to make him untradeable. That's one guard. He's now playing 30 minutes a night. Making the Dante DiVincenzo signing after losing a power forward. Okay. Not coming to an agreement before the extension deadline. My gosh. Now you're seeing Quickly play just 24 minutes a night, and he sometimes doesn't even close. It just doesn't seem like this is going to end with Quickly being a Nick for longer than a couple more months. And if it does, I don't see him in orange and blue next season. Which is why it's important to at least consider the DeJounte-Murray thing. Um, I think quickly is the only piece that makes sense, you know, if you're getting DeJounte. Because other than quickly, I'm not making a deal that makes the Nick guard rotation even smaller. And could risk quickly's minutes dipping even further. Like DeJounte is great. He's an all-star player, 20 points per game player. He can play on ball, off ball. He would mesh very well next to Brunson because of that. He's efficient. He's got a jump shot. He can slash, cut, he's explosive at the basket. And he also has upside to be able to defend smaller guards. And he's long. He's long. He's six five with a wingspan. But I question the fit because he's also 180 pounds soaking wet. So to me, it's like you're not adding a third point guard into the mix and expecting the Knicks to run all three of them 30 plus minutes. So it's worth considering moving quickly in the deal before you probably lose him for nothing in the summertime. Um, but that trade's coming. Like, whether it's DeJounte or not, that trade to clear up guard minutes is absolutely coming. And when it happens, it needs to be a trade that happens with quickly in their head. Meaning, it's either a trade that moves off another guard to get quickly his 29-30 minutes. Or it's a trade that cuts the bullshit, gets to the point, kicks the elephant out of the room, and the two parties finally part ways. But it's also very difficult to move some of these other guys because you look around and it's like you can't move Josh Hart because of the new CBA. Grimes's value is in the toilet right now. I mean, he knocked down a three-pointer late last night. I forgot he was on the Knicks, and I'm like, wow, what if we got that more often where he knocked down two shots? Two shots, and I'm happy. That's where he is in terms of value. Evan Fournier, who's not in the rotation anyway, nothing but a salary matcher at this point. And then you go to the front court, it's like with Mitchell Robinson down, you know, I heart's obviously sticking around now. Not that he was ever being moved, but he was, you know, he's on an expiring deal, but he's staying. Randall's obviously here to stay. Brunson's here to stay. So it's like who on the roster is really left to move to put around those two guys? Dante's the only name we haven't mentioned left, right? I mean, he has also played a pivotal role in the team. He's shooting 46% from three. He's being versatile. He's come off the bench for you. He's starting for you. You're going to have to attach a lot of first-round picks, a lot more than you want, unprotected. I think the initial cost for DeJounte Murray, uh, the Hawks had to pay three firsts, two, uh, two unprotected, one protected, and a swap. So maybe the price is lower now that you that know, he's locked up on a, I think he's locked into a four-year deal, once uh, 114 or something like that. But, you know, with the Knicks situation, I feel like Atlanta, if they move him, is probably going to be asking for Emmanuel quickly right off the bat. Is RJ the one you move? Right? I haven't mentioned him because it's like, well, 90% of the fan base probably more want to move because he's been terrible. His value is low. How do you move that? How do you increase his value? Does playing him less minutes, less usage off the bench, does that decrease his value? Or does continuing to run him out there for 30 minutes to embarrass himself, does that decrease his value? It's kind of a double-edged sword at the moment. You just need him to play better. How do you trade RJ and still get something respectable back? Because I've always said this, like as soon as players start reaching year five, year six, year seven, you kind of know who they are. And trade value doesn't really mean as much. And we're at that point with RJ Barrett. He's in year five, and he's the same old inefficient player, right? He's a poor decision maker on his drives, poor touch at the basket. He challenges rim protectors constantly, despite me- mediocre athleticism. He's got no right, very inefficient driving kick game. The best part of his game is that he's a bully who can get into the paint with ease. But it's about what happens after that. He's got no jump shot, three-pointers below average. His mid-range, though, he's taken more. It's still practically non-existent. No dribble package, no handles, crossover, no hezzy move. No triple threat, no face-up game. No pull-up. He's an average defender in some years worse. R.J. Barrett is a sixth man who belongs with the second unit playing the role of a number three option in the starting unit, making $24 million a year, ascending for the next, what, four years? How do you move that? You have to package that with picks and young players. And I also think if you're going to move R.J., it's first of all, it's probably not going to be in that DeJounte deal, but it shouldn't be. Because you need to, you can't be moving RJ for a smaller guard. I think if you move RJ, you move him for a guy we've been hearing in the Knicks fan base lately, Cam Johnson. All right, a bigger wing defender. That's an intriguing trade for me. Um, you attach some other things to it. Maybe, the, maybe who was it with the Nets? Maybe they like it. But for now, though, I feel like the Knicks seem. To be stuck with RJ. I feel like. I feel like they're going to run it through. At least for the rest of this season. Um, And that's going to lead us to our next topic. Making lemonade. And we'll talk about what I mean by that. When we return from break. Stay with us here on BD4 episode 599 of the podcast.
1: We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance. Be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome
0: back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Also, on the whole DeJounte Murray thing, there's a whole thing with Leon and Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. We also have to remember that. But... I want to talk about the starting lineup because they're here, um, and I don't think it's going to change soon, but that's what concerns me. Like I don't know if this starting five is very sustainable. The defense is far too poor for the Knicks to rely on 125-plus points every night. I don't think that's a sustainable plan. I think their starting lineup is too small. There are too many poor defenders in one lineup you got to hide Brunson. Does he have good moments? Yeah. The Knicks like to use him as a weak side low man where he rotates middle, draws a charge, grabs a rebound. He was doing that very aggressively last night, grabbing boards. He's very crafty on that end. But for the most part, Brunson gets picked on very often against these longer teams. And him being as small as he is doesn't help when he's closing out, getting shot over, and he's going to be out there 38 minutes a night with that to worry about. And obviously I'm not saying he's an issue, but it's a concern when you put it all together with everybody else next to him because you got to worry about Julius Randle's engagement on that end, skipping rotations, not running back on defense after a turnover or getting his shot blocked, arguing with officials instead, dropping back in pick and roll you got to worry about Dante DiVincenzo. Now, Dante, he fights his ass off. I love him. He provides good help defense. He's good on the boards, in the pass lanes, in transition. He's good in rotation. All that. But he's also very small for a wing to play up. And he's constantly getting bullied at the point of attack because of it. You have, you have I-Heart over Mitch, who brings a lot more offense. We love the dynamic there, the movement that he's bringing. But there's zero question that the defense is now lacking even more. The Knicks have been really bad without Mitch in pick and roll. Like the key moments in last night's game, which really put the game away in my opinion, was early in the fourth quarter when they were burnt on like three, four consecutive, three, five pick and rolls between Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren. Right? The Knicks tried many different coverages on it. The first one, they tried switching the action. Taj was beat on the step back. The second one, Hart stayed home. Taj comes to double. Now Chet's left open and pick and pop. And then there was one when Taj stayed home. Hart was left defending Williams in one-on-one with no help, and he was beat off the dribble there. So, like, it's been a problem now. And OKC made absolute sure to hold Chet there in the third quarter so he could have Taj to exploit early fourth. So that's another instance of Tibbs being out-coached last night. Um, And I just, going back to the starting five, like I know this is absolutely probably crazy to say. It's it's an avenue I probably probably shouldn't even go down because it's not happening. But I wish, like in a fantasy world, that Tibbs considered the death lineup with Brunson, Quickly, Hart, Randall, and I-Hart. Because that makes the most sense. RJ would be where he deserves to be with the second unit. That's where he plays his best. Quickly would be where he deserves to be with the starters. But obviously in a world with optics and politics and business shit, that's not happening. You know, it's not realistic. Because we have contracts, trade value, outside perspective that Leon and the Knicks think about. But it's the best lineup out there for the Knicks this year. It's been great for them. The eye test says so. The metrics support that. So if we want wins and better playoff seeding, and that's the only thing we're worried about, that's it. That's the lineup to go to. But with this current starting five, with Dante and RJ in there, I'm not going to guarantee this would happen but I think there's a possibility, especially now that we're without Mitch, that they stay in this play-in range that they're in at the moment. Because the Eastern Conference is better, while the Knicks have the same roster, minus Obi, minus Mitch, plus Dante. It's like, yeah, I mean, at this point, 45-ish wins could easily get you a number 7 seed, unfortunately. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's enough basement dwellers left on the schedule for the Knicks to grab a top 6 at the end of the day. But I wouldn't be shocked, is what I'm saying. I wouldn't be too shocked. Um Also this this OKC team is is like a they're a very good reminder of what I've been saying lately about the Knicks. How the Knicks aren't in this great spot just yet. I feel like OKC you can look at as in a great spot. They're a team who are young and trying to change things like the Knicks, but they're in a great spot. If somebody were to come up to you and ask you, hey, do you think the OKC Thunder can make the finals this year? You probably wouldn't say yes, but your answer would probably be something along the lines of, mm, I don't know, maybe, you never know. They could. They could. Whereas, if you ask that same person, do you think the Knicks can make the finals, they'd probably be like, no. They have a ceiling. Right? Because the OKC Thunder, they have drafted excellent. Well, the Knicks have drafted solid. They've made that trade for their star already with the Clippers. They've got two, maybe three guys with top 15 superstar upside. The Knicks don't have one. Right? They don't have... Brunson's not that guy. I'm sorry, uh, sorry. Randall's not that guy. Brunson's, I I consider Brunson a star. Um, but I still think he needs another guy next to him. You know, Randall's not going to be a, a top 15 player. RJ's not going to be that. Nobody else is, is close. You have Brunson who's a, a good, a really good star player. But I still think you need a superstar next to him. Or a star just as equal. But I feel like the Thunder have that. They have guys with upside. So they're what I feel like Knicks fans after a five-game win streak feel like the Knicks are. I feel like the Knicks are in a decent spot. I feel like OKC is in a great spot. So it's a little reminder to the Knicks fans and and, and the Knicks that, like, you know, OKC set up really well with a ton of first-round picks in their future. The Knicks are set up well with a good amount of picks and assets. But, yeah, that's it, man. I I don't want to go on too much longer. The Knicks lose and, you know, uh, the best players on the floor for the Knicks last night. We'll get to that right now. Um, Dante in the starting lineup. Bing, bang. You know, had a great game last night. 17 points, shot 60% from the field. 56 from three. Um, great for him. He's now got six game balls on the year three from the starting lineup, three off the bench. And then uh, you go to the bench. We go to Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly last night had a good game 22 points, shot 7 to 10, four or five from three. He made all of his free throws. I love that a lot of Quickly's baskets last night were off of quick decisions and he wasn't over dribbling. You know, he was playing off-ball a lot as the two. It was just a lot of quick dribble shoot. It wasn't any of that Harden-type shit that we, we've been seeing from him lately. So that was good. And he's been he's been playing really good lately, um, regardless. So I just wish he closed the game. But, yeah, that's it. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up when we return from break. Stay with us here on BD4, episode 599 of the podcast. Be right back.
1: You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day, or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog, By going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo
0: Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born.
1: Welcome back to
0: the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 599 of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to BD4. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series. Knicks every game. And MMA on occasion. Mm -hmm. Promise we'll start talking about that soon. Next year, we'll have more MMA out. Been slow with that. But I appreciate you tuning into the show. Uh, You could find BD4 on many different platforms. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show there, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. You can watch the video edit of this podcast up on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, like, and comment. You can also watch us on Spotify and listen to us on Spotify. Share this episode. Download these episodes. If you want to share it on social media with your friends, you can do that. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, we have pages online. we got a page on Facebook at BD4. We're on Twitter at BD4Pod, and we're also on Instagram at BD4Pod. And if you want to follow me, at Rob J. Carbone. We have a blog. If you want to follow BD4Blog.com, that's where we write our blogs about the Yankees, the Knicks, mma go to bd4blog.com slash blog to get to that section we also have the different links and plugs for the podcast up there as well so our website bd4blog.com once again bd4blog.com so with that all said let's wrap this thing up with our trivia and with that that'll be it after i don't think that made any sense let's wrap this up with our trivia All right. So for this episode, episode 599, our NYY NYK MMA question of the day is Patrick Ewing leads the Knicks with 11 all star selections. Name the four players tied for second with seven. All right. Patrick Ewing leads the Knicks with 11 all star selections. Name the four players tied for second with seven. All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out on the next episode in front of all two of our listeners. If you don't get it correct, tough shit. Try again next time. That's it. I appreciate you tuning into the show. Hey, tough loss. Um, OKC was one of those teams that I said in last episode, it was, it was the one game that I considered a swing game. I said either one could take it. Um, I said I would like for the Knicks to finish the year going two and one on this road trip, and I still stand by that. I still think they can beat Orlando and Indiana. Indiana, I think, is overhyped. I think they're very overrated. They play zero defense, just as bad as their offense is good. Um, which you know that could be a problem for the Knicks in their defense, but I feel like the Knicks play good offense too. I feel like the Knicks can take them. Uh, obviously tomorrow night they have Orlando first and. These are two important games. They're two in-conference games, unlike the OKC game. So this is going to be important for the Knicks to get back into the playoff picture if you care about standings this early. Um, But, you know, winning is always what you want to do. So let's do it. Let's take care of Orlando. Um, I feel like they're a team the Knicks have, have the ability to defeat. So that's it we'll wrap it up here. Episode 599 in the books. I'll see you in episode 600. Wow. I'll see you then. Thanks. And, uh, later.
1: This episode was brought to you by anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, Subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.